One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, where the show that leverages the way our memories become entwined with songs in an almost magical way in order to bring out the storyteller and our guests. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. Our guest today is Pat Mitchell. Pat was born in the Bronx and raised in Yonkers, New York. He's lived in Florida for about 15 years now. He says he really loves art and has been creative since he was a kid, but didn't take making art seriously until he was in high school. He is first and foremost a filmmaker and has made four films, including his latest, a feature called Apples, Oranges, Lemons, and Limes, which will be screened tomorrow night, that's Saturday, May 21st, 2022, if you're listening to this in the future, at the Fort Myers Film Festival in downtown Fort Myers. Pat says his current mindset is to grow and challenge himself more than ever, and that while he loves finishing a film, his goal is always to make treasured memories along the way with his casts and crews. Other than films, Pat also produces music, mostly these days for his brother Freddie Forward, who is a Southwest Florida-based hip-hop artist. Hey there, Pat. How are you doing? How you doing, Mike? I'm good. I'm good. It's nice to see you somewhere then from the booth in yeah. the Fort Myers <laughs> Film Festival. Um, when I look at you in the film festival, you're always lurking. You know, mm. You're a lurker. Yeah. And when you got up and were a guest judge a few months ago, mm-hmm. and you started talking, I was like, look at the guy talk. I'm going to have to have him on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I have my moments. <laughs> you do have your moments. Okay, so um, what is the earliest musical memory that you can recall? If you try to think back, is there something that pops into your head? Earliest? Mm. It doesn't have to be when you're three, just something that from a childhood memory. Uh, most likely my grandmother. My grandmother, uh, both my grandmothers, as a matter of fact. Um, my, uh, uh, she passed away, but uh, Dinah Mitchell, she was uh, one of the biggest influences in probably my family's life. Uh, she used to sing and hum all the time uh, while cooking, while cleaning. Uh, she used to... Uh, she used to watch over us in Long Island, and uh, you know she was a you know a very powerful memory of her humming. And um, my other grandmother, um, she uh, it's funny she uh, she passed away too. As uh, my grandmother on my mo- mom's side, uh, she we called her Mama all the time. I I, <laughs> I feel bad. I can't remember the first name right now, but I called her Mama <laughs> all the time. That's okay. <laughs> uh, I, and um, you know she yeah she used to uh, she used to hum and sing all the time. She used to, and it's funny because she she didn't speak English well. Uh, she actually she's Haitian, so she spoke. Creole. Um, and at, when I was a kid, I used to retain it and know what she said. And then later in life, I just lost it. Hmm. But uh, yeah, she used to she used to hum and sing all the time around the house. And um, she used to hum us to sleep. She used to and constantly just making musical notes and awareness to things. And, you know, I do remember that's the earliest memory. I was probably like four or five. Hmm. Um how would you describe, in general terms, the musical background of your childhood? Was there a lot of music being played around you? Did you have brothers and sisters that were influencing you, Ooh. or vice versa? That's uh, <laughs> uh, kind of controversial. Um, <laughs> when did the first... Oh, man, I can't believe I'm even... Uh, all right. The, uh, the first album we actually listened to, 
uh, what's R. Kelly 12 play? <laughs> when we were when we were younger, you know, R. Kelly is not a really prized artist right now. But at the time, it was the first time we ever heard music like that, and um, that's our probably the first biggest artist we've. And it was a random like cassette tape just in the basement. We played it one time, and I don't know who owned it. Don't know how it was there. <laughs> we put it in the radio and we just, uh, you know, listened. Uh, and, you know, it was an incredible album. Um, you know, now it's hard for me to put past what, what's happened. Yeah, recently. he's kind of, he's yeah. kind of. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> that, yeah, that's, that's, that was probably the first influence in urban music i should say and that's that's a big thing with me um hip-hop r&b uh is the first type of music that i actually retain to uh you know i listen to pretty much everything like classical like today i i appreciate all but at when i was a kid it was more um hip-hop music more r&b music um more of those type of uh tones and notes and, and stories and you know, I really appreciated all of that. It was just so different. And where I was living, uh, I'm actually from um, Yonkers, New York. So, you know, uh, we, you know, Yonkers, New York is, is you know, we pretty much pride ourselves in being, uh, you know, very invested in the birth of music, birth of hip hop, birth of, uh, you know, urban music. And uh, the biggest groups that came out of there was uh, a rap a trio called the locks and uh we listen to them all the time <laughs> styles b uh jada kiss c Luch, um rough riders like that whole th- that whole group dmx uh rest in peace uh died recently um you know they were musical icons to us for a while and very controversial music now now that i think about it it's like oh we listen how to old that. were you when you were listening to that uh let's see um ooh, i was probably in the, like going into the teens at the nine probably going to 10 11 12 like in the middle school years um you know and i was really big on it in the high school years uh but yeah, those are like the first types of music that we ever really gravitated towards. Uh meaning me and my brothers. Um where did and, you uh, fit in the lineup? Oh, I am the youngest. So they were influencing you. <laughs> you, you weren't choosing to listen to that. They well, were I, to that. I I I'm I'm not going to lie. I was choosing to listen to that. Uh you know, I was we we're all pretty uh we're all pretty influencing with each other, but a lot of us are very independent in our choices. Like we're very, like my my oldest brother, uh, Franz. He's he's into cars, like cars, auto mechanics, and stuff. It's always been his life. It's always been something that he gravitated towards. Um, I necessarily didn't grab that trait, you know. And um, my brother right now, Frederick, uh, he's actually. Uh, Freddie Ford, actually, he's a hip hop artist uh, in the area, local hip hop artist. Uh, currently, he is uh, very big on self uh, improvement, self uh, actualization, uh, a lot of uh, basically just a lot of spiritual. Uh, I guess how I guess the best way to call it is it's a spiritual demand and what you want to be in life and hmm. and trying to get there and try to get those journeys. 
Me, <laughs> not, I, I, I love his passion for it. I love everything about it. Uh, but I kind of my philosophy and how to engage in becoming better um, is pretty different. Uh, and and that's not a thing that I was influenced by him uh, in that trade either. So I do believe that as we were growing up, we were very close. Uh, but we did retain our independence in a way. Uh, and I can think about everybody in my family tree, um, my aunts, my uh, nephews. We all have very, you know, very big differences with each other. You know, we all love each other to the death. Uh, but we all have our own uh, sense of life, a sense of who we are, a sense of what it means and sense of what we like. And, uh, you know, and, you know, my, my grandmother, uh, Adina Mitchell, um, she, you know, I, <laughs> it's almost hard to imagine she was able to raise, uh, you know, such great people uh, because, you know, I think how many, I have so many, I have so many aunts and uncles um, and, uh, you know, thinking about them now, you know, every single experience I had with them, you know, hold very dearly. They're all very different people and uh, they're all very different in their own ways. And I imagine my grandmother trying to raise, I think it's like seven. I, if I can't count right now, <laughs> but it's a lot of relatives and uh they're all very different. They're all very uh, unique in their own ways. And I imagine uh, my grandmother was able to distill in them their own sense of identities rather than trying to bunch them up into one big pack, you know. And Do you guys play any musical instruments? Ooh. Oh, I wish. Uh, <laughs> I always wanted to. Uh, I did play a flute for school for a while. Um I played piano for uh, how long did I play piano? I, I I learned how to play piano. I dabbled in learning how to play piano for at least like eight months, and then I stopped. And then I always had this big interest in music. Actually, uh, what I do know how to play, and it's hard for me to call it an instrument because it's not. But I'm more of a DAW digital audio mm-hmm. uh, work workshop kind of. Uh, musical artist and it's hard for me to call that a real <laughs> instrument <laughs> even though you are playing the piano to play these notes of samples of people playing real instruments in very credible detail but uh for me to pick up an instrument and pretend that i know what i'm doing <laughs> i probably wouldn't uh even attempt uh but i do want to learn i have I actually have right now a, a guitar, a piano, and a violin, and I'm currently seeking lessons for them because um, I do want to have a passion in playing something on the spot, on the nose, without turning on a computer, without turning on wires or EQing or anything like that, just natural rawness. Yeah, just sit on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> if you could learn an instrument instantly without having to try, like the Matrix, which oh, would it wow. be? Oh, wow. Okay. Um, good question. You know, I used to say the piano. Then I realized if you listen to a piano by itself, it needs a lot of help to have a groove. <laughs> unless you're really good. <laughs> unless you're very yeah. <laughs> unless you're extremely talented. Uh, but I guess a guitar is the perfect solo instrument. I mean, 
uh, the things you could actually accomplish with a guitar. I mean, a lot of people think guitars are just strings, but you see these players, they're literally... Yeah, they're doing that. Yeah, they're stringing, they're you know, tapping the, the, uh, the wood and the box. They're literally creating drums as they play uh, with the body of the instrument. And uh, you can't do that with it. I mean, you probably can't. If someone actually figures that out, they'll be like the greatest pianist. What you got to do, Pat, is you just <laughs> here's what when I first was get well, I got a guitar. I wanted to learn it. I have a friend who was a very good guitar player, and he said, "Mike, just pick it up for 15 minutes a day, and do something. And at the end of the year, you'll be able to play the guitar. You may not be great, but you'll be able to play the guitar." Right. And that's what I did. I would sit on the couch, and I might just learn one chord and just sit there for 15 minutes and play one chord. <laughs> yeah. And if you just give 15 minutes a day. You'll be able to play the guitar, but you got to do it. You yeah, know, that's you just got to put, put the time in. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay, we're going to get to your first song now. Oh, awesome. Billy Joel. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Or do you want to just listen to it? What uh, do you want to do? Well, you know, I feel like we should listen to it first. It would put me back in the space. It would be easier to talk. Okay, I'm happy to do that. This awesome. is uh, My Life by Billy Joel from his 1978 album, 52nd Street. So where's that take you back to? Hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny listening to that song now. It's such a nice memory. Uh, and I listened to the words of the song, and the song, the song is very cynical. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, th- uh, this song actually, uh, my dad used to drive us to uh, go see our cousins, uh, and they lived in uh, Santa Mauritius at the time in Long Island. And um, every time we would drive out there, uh, my dad would specifically have this radio on and uh, this radio station. I'm not sure what it was, but they would play these classic musics. And this song popped up every time, uh, every single trip. <laughs> and every time I think about it, I think of driving uh, the drive that we did, and I can't remember uh, what the road was, uh, but it's it, it, you overlook the shore and you're just driving. And you, I'm always looking out the window, listening to the song, seeing the sights on the way to Long Island. And uh, yeah, the the song takes me back to just my excitement of being able to go see family. And uh, when we went there, in San Maritas to uh, see our cousins and everything. Um, it was such a great time. And, you know, and I think about like those days when I see them because we didn't see them often. And what we did see them, it was such a great monument time. And uh, I remember these small bits, you know, introducing uh, <laughs> introducing my uh, one of my cousins to a video game. And he was just playing it like, what video game? Oh, uh, it was uh, NBA Street, uh, <laughs> PlayStation <laughs> Two, I believe. Uh, yeah, and uh, but Mar- I think the biggest memory uh, I could think of is uh, one of my cousins uh, played. He played a saxophone. Uh, he was incredible at the saxophone. And you know, when we go there, we always go to church service. Every time we're there, we go to church service. Uh, and we go to the church, and he would sometimes he would perform his uh, solos uh, with the saxophone, and he was so good at it. <laughs> and then we had uh, uh, my other cousin. Uh, he plays uh, the guitar, and he's he's so good at it. And I remember watching them. And I always had an interest in music. Like, I always had something about music always gravitated towards me. 
Actually, one of my decisions of going to Full Sail, I went to Full Sail and I graduated with a degree in sound engineering. One of my biggest reasons of going there is the thought that if I become this engineer, perhaps one day uh, if I did own my own studio or own my own space to record, I could invite my family to record what they do because <laughs> uh, they're so good. And I was like, you know, I I want to be that. Uh, but, you know, me for me to try, uh, you know, it wasn't there for me with live instruments. It was more like electronic sounds and mm-hmm. like the idea of replicating an instrument was more passionate with me than actually creating it with the actual instrument uh, and like what you could do digitally with it. And that's where my space was. And I, I used to do a lot of these musics and these beats and instrumentals uh, with, uh, you know, DAWs and, 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 and trying to replicate sounds and creating new sounds out of something. And then there's the classic sounds, which we go back to, which is what I remember uh, when my cousins played instruments. So I, I honestly believe uh, my passion when I do, like, produce music, uh, all that really began with watching my cousins do it hmm. first. Um, is Full Sail what brought you to Florida? No. No, actually. Uh, I actually uh, moved to Florida from Yonkers, New York. Yonkers is uh, north of the Bronx? Yes, okay. I believe so. I, yes. I, it's one of those words I've seen, but I don't, I've never been to Yonkers. Uh, yeah, it's, they, they call it the Fifth Borough. I think that's a nickname for it. Uh, but yeah, Yonkers, uh, he, yeah, it's, it's, it's outside of the Bronx. Um, and uh, we lived in two different areas when we were in Yonkers. Uh, when we were little, we lived on this road uh, called Whitman Road. Uh, I believe the address was two Whitman Road specifically, if you want to look at where the house is. Got a, <laughs> got a street view. <laughs> yeah, street view. Uh, yeah, we lived in that house through our childhood, the very early childhood. And then we had to move out. Um Situations that we had no control over. Uh, like a to, long story short, my parents got a divorce at one point, um, so there was a lot of worries, stresses, things that I didn't even know was called worry or stress at the time. We were very, we didn't know anything, and I remember we were trying to. Our dad was trying to. Uh, help us cope with the situation. We didn't know what we were coping. I mean, we didn't know really what he was doing. Uh, You know, now I appreciate the idea that he was trying something. Uh, But I think during that time when we were kids, we were just unsure of things. And we didn't know what the word was to describe our uncertainties at the time so you know it was very it was very early in our in our lives and in, in our childhood um but yeah we came to florida actually later um this is a situation that uh kind of arose and we didn't like our current we didn't like our current state uh where we were so we decided to move in with our mother and this was during um like pre like the first years of high school like after like two years of high school uh and then from there that's where it basically you know and it's funny because 
at that time, it was like, <laughs> it was a situation where, um, I guess I could man, talk about it. Um, we were so happy outside of home than we were inside of home, uh, where we were. Um, and we you know we lived in one town for a very long time. We had a lot of, we had tremendous friends and support and people to talk to about it. Uh, and then we got uprooted and moved into another town uh, that was close to Yonkers, uh, actually a place called Hastings. And uh, we, we, believe it or not, we loved that area. We loved the town. We loved the people there. Uh, we loved a lot about the small town living that we had no idea because we were from Yonkers and now we're like step into this world where <laughs> these kids were like, it was incredible. Like they were eating lunch, school lunch uh, in the courtyard on, uh, you know, like picnics and like we were allowed to do that. Like, <laughs> how's that possible? And like, uh, and it was, it was a, it was, it was a, it was an amazing town. It was an amazing experience. It was amazing people. And luckily, we, our friends from Yonkers, like we had such incredible friends. They followed us wherever we went. Like they didn't, they didn't say, "Oh, well, they're gone." Like they literally said, "Oh, well, we'll come to where you are." Hmm. And you know, we we appreciated that so much. And uh, they eventually loved that town so much. They they went back. Even when we went to Florida, they. They made they made friends with every single one of our friends that we made in that new town. <laughs> like I have this saying, um, and I, I, I constantly th- talk about it. Uh, in life, the people you come across is 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 rarer than being struck by lightning. I mean, there's like what two eight billion people on the planet, like nine billion at this point. I don't know what we're up to. We're up to at least six or seven. <laughs> yeah. I know that. And I imagine, like through your lifetime, uh, the odds of you meeting a person in front of you is so slim. Out of everyone in the world, this person managed to befriend you. It's special to me. Like, it's a very special thing that I could I think about. And it's like, you know, would it be somebody else? Never know. But the idea that we still talk and we're friends and we've been friends for a very long time. And, like, you know, the idea that you get to know someone for that long and still be friends with them for that long. And the idea that it's six billion people on the planet, these are the people that you retain in your life. Like, it's very uh, rare to me. Uh, like and people kind of like undermine that. Um, yeah, they take it for granted. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. And uh, so, like for me, uh, the people I meet in my life is very important. Um, and uh, and I always say, like, you know, a lot of people say, you know, I hate people and all this. <laughs> me, it's it's always it's very different. Like, I actually love people. I actually love the idea of people. Uh, the people that walk in your life, the people that stay, the people that leave, the people that even upset you sometimes. It's like you'll never f- – you, you always learn from every experience and every person you ever meet will give you an experience that help you better your life. So don't shy away from meeting new people ever. Uh, You're I, making me feel bad for being <laughs> such a hermit. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I'm No, I believe me. I am, I am an introvert as well. It, it's weird for me to even say that I like people, but it's true. Like I don't, I don't find myself at all like 
avoiding people or avoiding people's way. Like, and, and a lot of people, like, if you look at New York, like, you know, people walk around the city all the time. And like, I don't know how many people, <laughs> but they they walk past each other. They never know who they are. Never. It's like, what if one person went to another person and said hello? Like, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, out of this massive amount of crowd, two people actually managed to get to know each other. And it's like, maybe they'll eventually get married. You don't know. Yeah. But it's the idea that you said hello that stemmed all these possibilities into something. So, like, why avoid people? Like, why avoid it? You mm-hmm. know, just engage people. And especially when people want to engage you. I think that's the biggest compliment in the world. Uh, you know, um, yeah, like you invited me to this show. Like, <laughs> I, I, I. Well, you're I, welcome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> like, I, 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 the, I, I never thought, uh, I was ever that interesting. <laughs> but uh, thank you for, you know, I, I really appreciate this and I really appreciate the idea that I could actually share these thoughts uh, and and be able to talk about them. And, and it's, you know, to me, it's people are what brings your experiences. And Yeah, and that's would, what this show is all about. Exactly. That's what I love about it. Yeah. Um, so did you guys move directly to this part of Florida or did you? Uh, we moved to uh, Punta Gorda. Okay. Punta Gorda. Uh, yes, and uh, Punta Gorda, Port Charlotte, and it's funny. I didn't really knew anything about Fort Myers or Lee County or anything. You know, I was always interested in filmmaking. So, you know, I at one time I I went on this kind of journey and seeking out people who do films <laughs> per se, and uh, I actually came across Tim Ritter, uh-huh. uh, and uh, he's the first filmmaker that I met in this area. And it's funny, I didn't know how to take filmmakers like most of the time you meet a filmmaker it's, they don't take it too seriously they don't try <laughs> right well they say <laughs> they they're say a they are and yeah. yeah and it's like the aspirations is like oh we'll just shoot something really quick and um but tim when i met tim ritter it was funny because he was very into it like he had films already made mm-hmm. and he had all these things all these people he knew and so you know me and him formed a connection and we started making films together and he was a good friend of mine's and um you know i probably would have not engaged more into film if i didn't meet tim or meet the fort myers area or is that how you found the festival festival eric raddis all these people like and it's to a point where i would leave puna gorda to make films in fort myers because i knew that everybody's here <laughs> that i know who is a filmmaker uh and when i try to make films like down where i am or even sarasota sometimes and all these new places it's hard to find dedicated people but it was so much it was so much easier when i was younger i don't know why i don't know if it's the area like this fort myers itself being very artsy and eclectic and sarasota is a very Sarasota is a very nice like. It, it's hard for me to see the arts in there. Like there's a there's there's the Ringling uh, College, which is an amazing place. But you go there and you talk to these filmmakers and talk to the students. Most of the students they want to do stuff outside of Florida. Like they want a way. They right. Know, we want yeah. We want to do things, and it's nice because when you go over there, they do these things where they invite. Uh, I remember one of my biggest experiences uh, in Sarasota. Uh, they invite Wally Fitzer to talk. Who's he? Um, Wally Fitzer is one of the biggest cinematographers. Oh, in, okay. 
uh, the world. Um, he actually did the cinematography for all of Christopher Nolan films. Oh, and, okay. Uh, yeah, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. So he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> and he's very, very, very talented in what he does. And, you know, me being, I don't know how it was at the time, you know, I'm watching him talk on this stage. I remember I was looking at him, and uh, I asked him this question, and he was kind of dumbfounded. <laughs> what was the question? Um, I asked him, I was like, uh, so tell me your experience, and how did you work on a film that you made called Highline? And, uh, you know, I think his response was something on the line of, uh, he just asked me about a film that the very first film that I ever <laughs> ever filmed 30, 20 years ago uh, somewhat. And it was the very first film he ever made uh, as a cinematographer. Um, and it's actually the movie that I have so much film trivia. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you start um, a film podcast. Yeah. Uh, he uh, basically he made a film called Highline. And uh, I, I think. Christopher Nolan uh, took sight in this film uh, before he was the Christopher Nolan. Uh, and they teamed up to make a movie uh, when I think Christopher Nolan finally had some budget to do something, and Memento, which is an incredible movie. Um, and, uh, you know, so I wanted to ask him, I was like, I want to see what his reaction is about his first, like, because, you know, I'm at that stage. Like, I want, right. I'm still, you know, <laughs> trying to nurse this, like, thing into something as big, you know, for me. And it's funny because I, I don't like imagining the huge successes, but why not? Like, so, sometimes it's like, why not? Um, and, you know, I'm seeing him on stage and I was like, yeah, that could be me one day coming back here talking to people about something I created. So I imagine I wanted to know what his reaction, what his experience was making his first film because I know my first film, it wasn't a great experience. <laughs> it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't so great. Uh, and it, a lot of it was inexperience and a lot of it was, uh, trying to achieve something that you don't know what you're doing. Right. And uh, you think you achieved it. And then later on in life, you're kind of like, I could have did this and it would have been, yeah. And uh, Yeah, time doesn't work that <laughs> yeah, way, though. Yeah. <laughs> Never does. <laughs> so um, how many films have you made? How many films so far? Uh, I've made around four or five. Um, okay. And a lot of it, like, more than, most of them is more than 20 minutes. Uh, I My whole goal, uh, like, I, I've, you know, I've I worked on countless scripts. Like I, I have this future film that I've been trying to create for a very long time, and I'm so close. Uh, my newest film, I just made one recently, actually, uh, and uh, you played the trailer for it uh, for Myron's Film Festival. It's a film called Apples, Oranges, Lemons, and Limes. Is and, it done? Uh, yes, it is done, and uh, I'm very very pleased. Actually, uh, my expectations for it is so beyond. Like it's it it's it, it it's so beyond what I expected. Uh, like talent wise, crew wise, people wise, what I could achieve. Because when I wrote the thing, I was like, "There's big possibility that none of this is ever gonna work." <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, it, you know, eventually I found uh, a cast and crew that was amazing. Uh, and they took the actual like story probably more serious than I did. Hmm. Um, and not that I didn't think my story was great enough. It's just I had so many doubts about it. 
And I think that happens with every writer. Like you would write a story and you have so many doubts because you know what you thought of before and you tried to achieve that. You managed to do something else. But like reading something for the first time, I believe like the actors, when they read the script for it, their mind went so, you know, like this is you know, they they didn't see the other stuff. <laughs> right. They didn't see the drafts and the the weirdness that happens. Yeah. And they see things in it that you don't exactly. see. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, you know, so we we when we filmed it and everything, like I thought it was it was an incredible experience. It was incredible to work with a younger actors this time than I usually did. It's funny when I did films back in the day, uh, I always worked with older actors. <laughs> and now that I'm a little bit older, I'm starting to gravitate. Like, I need to get younger actors. And it's like, <laughs> my mindset should have been the opposite. Uh, but that didn't happen, really. And um, it's nice to be able to do that. And I think the bigger thing about making films for me is, um, you know, because, like, making music is it's, it's a great experience. It's very fulfilling, especially when you complete something and you kind of, like— I started with absolute silence and this is what I built uh, <laughs> and uh, I think with films uh, you don't have to experience that silence or experience the building by yourself like in music when I'm doing it it's just me inside a room <clears throat> for I don't know an hour an hour and a half just doing sounds trying things out but it's just me there's no other person talking there's no other You're laughters. making exactly. memories with exactly people like and, you know i'm just in my own head and hours are passing by when you're making a film uh it's so much more satisfying because you get to learn about somebody who necessarily like these actors who have their own ambitions have their own ideas and they could act their own way and you see them perform mm. and it's like you're talking you're conversating you're building memories and you're forming the relationships and you're building something that is an exclusive club um literally i think apples oranges uh, apples <laughs> apples oranges lemons and limes i believe that film we probably had a crew and cast i think it was like 15 to 20 people like less than 15 to 20 people um and for however long we live those 15 20 people experienced uh, an actual experience that's shared and we go off our own ways sometimes sometimes we come back but it's like it's an exclusive club yeah <laughs> you get to talk about it and it's like no one else shared those things. No one else. And then you see, like, the work, but they, you know, like, and that brings up the memory. And you could talk about them. But it, it's, yeah, it's basically an exclusive, like, club of uh, of people. And that experience is shared for the rest of time. Um, and I think that is the most enjoyable thing. And especially when it actually branches people's careers into something bigger. Mm -hmm. Those are always, like, the greatest moments. Um, and seeing these actors act in, in, in the way that they do and, and do th their work, it's, it's incredible to think, oh, this is something I wrote that's actually being fulfilled <laughs> into, uh, pictures, lights, faces, sounds, uh, in, you know, even my score is Andrew Scott Faust. I mean, he's brilliant. Um, that's who does music for you? Yes. Yes. He's brilliant. And, you know, every time I listened to him, I was like, this, he's going to win an Oscar one day. Um, 
so he he did like the music for my film and this was a very particular film because you know I put in music that I made for a film because I feel like these day and age films don't have original soundtracks in them anymore like people don't do it anymore like in the 90s it was everywhere like you know sometimes the song was bigger than the actual movie um <laughs> but uh you know I, I wanted to do that and I wanted to do something like a call to that so that's what I did and there was an idea it's funny it came to me when I woke up one morning and I was like eh, let me give the original music that I did to my scorist um and ask him if he could do an, a theatrical interpretation of something I created, uh, which is more on the hip hop sort of lines. And he created this incredible piece. <laughs> and I remember putting it in one of my trailers and like I showed it to um the actors and everybody involved and they were like blown away. But it's it's like it's funny, he take notes from what I did and he made it in such an epic scale, it was like, oh wow. Hmm. Uh and it's something that I hope to do again because it's nice to make music and see what someone's interpretation is on a different artist level. Like he's beyond what I can do in music. <laughs> so that's why I go to him all the time. I was like, uh, he's gonna nail this one. And he did. And um you know, it's in the film, uh, and I remember the first trailer, the second trailer I made, I put that piece of music in it, and it it it, it blew me away when I first heard it. Um, but yeah, like so, you know, uh, making films is so much more satisfying than making music. Even though I love making music, I actually make music exclusively right now for my brother. Uh, Freddie Ford, uh, he's on streaming. Um, you could find him on streaming YouTube, and uh, he's he's around. Uh, but I, I know when I make these sounds, these musics, it's it doesn't take me anywhere. I listen to it, and it's like, okay, I created this. What happened when I was creating this? Right, right. <laughs> like, well, it's like being a photographer and then spending yeah. three hours doing the photo editing. Exactly. You know, being out there shooting and doing things is one thing, but then that time that you're spending, you know, yeah. you do have something to show for it, but it's not the same it's thing. It's not the same thing. Yeah. It's not the same experience. Yeah. Hmm. So. Well, let's get to your second song. Yeah, sure. What is it? Oh, uh... Aaliyah. I'm going to make you say it because it's got all these names in it that I'm not <laughs> right, sure I'm pronouncing right. 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 <laughs> it's okay. Aaliyah. Um, Aaliyah, are you that somebody? Uh, this is the remix version, um, which, yeah, I'll play it and then we'll talk about it after. Okay. And how do you say her name? Aaliyah. Aaliyah. Yes. And is it Super Friends? Super Friends. Aaliyah, this is uh, yeah. Are You That Somebody? It's the remix featuring Super Friends released in 1998. It's our guest today, filmmaker Pat Mitchell's second song on this episode of Three Song Stories. The baby sound in the background. <laughs> is that on the original one or is that part of the remix that's or what's on going the original on? That's on the original one. Okay. That is the brilliance of Timberland. Uh, he's one of the greatest, um, in my eyes, he's one of the greatest musicians in the world. And, 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 I, and I shouldn't really say that because I'm not sure how well he does performing real instruments but you know i know he does a lot of percussions he, mm -hmm. he could but he, he's one of those guys that he he played percussions on anything like he'll find something in the room and make a musical sound out of it um and he's one of the people that was a really big force for me 
trying to create the music that I do because uh, he he does exactly the things that I kind of try to do at this point where you take these abnormal sounds, these sounds that are typically not known for any type of music ability, like a baby crying, uh, <laughs> and turn it into a musical note, to turn it into an actual piece of, of music and, and form sounds around it to create it in this kind of beautiful sort of like mesh of the sounds that turn into music. Uh, and uh, I, you know, I grew up listening to him. Uh, he was the, one of the bigger, like, the super producers uh, at the time. You know, I listened to almost everything. Like, I listen to his instrumentals now. I, I, I constantly listen to his music that he produced. Um, I actually didn't know about Timbaland until I listened to Aliyah's music. Aliyah... Uh, was heavily produced by him and uh, so was uh, all these musical talents like you know Missy Elliott you know he he worked with all the biggest names in R&B hip-hop um, you know huge fan of him but uh, you know that song in particular uh, I chose it because <laughs> the memories I get from it it's a song that you rarely it, back in the day when this song came out I I'm pretty there was no MP3s wasn't a thing yet um there was no streaming service there really wasn't any other avenues of recording music unless you waited for it to play on the radio yeah <laughs> and you press play on the tape um and uh you know, and and that was one of those songs there. It would come on, uh, but every time it came on, I remember I was in New York. Uh, if I was in like New Jersey, if I was in Connecticut, it, it never comes on. If I come down here vacation, it's never on the radio. Specifically, I don't know if it's just me, <laughs> but specifically when you're in New York City, it comes on Hot ninety seven radio station, and they like they play it, and like. Every time it came on, it's like, I could only hear this here. Uh, <laughs> if I go anywhere else, it would not be on the radio. I would not hear it. You would hear the original Aliyah version, which is just as good. And, and I, I shouldn't even say just as good. It's better. It's a better song. But this one in particular, the remix, and I believe Super Friends, you know, they weren't really, you know, no one really knows <laughs> to this day. Like, I... We don't. I don't know who rapped on that. <laughs> I don't know what their names were. I don't know. You're if not they sure did who the super friends. Yeah, are. yeah. I don't know what, who their names are. Or what they did after that. What they did before that. Or, uh, but all I know is that when they're on this song, they sound remarkable. And when I listen to the song, I know I'm in New York. I know the area I'm in, and it brings me back there when I hear it now. Like it. It, you know, it, it takes me to the time where I'm in New York and that song would come on. And sometimes there was times where I was like, oh, it's this song. It's not the one with Aliyah, just Aliyah. <laughs> but it's it's still like after a while, it, it grew on me and I, I learned to love it and I listened to it. It's kind of hard to find. Like Aliyah, sadly, Aliyah's music, I guess whoever controls her music uh, did not have her on streaming for a very long time. Hmm. She was a huge icon in music. I mean, there was points where, 
you know, I remember to this day, Beyonce was interviewing her for MTV. And you're like, oh, what is Beyonce doing interviewing somebody? She's usually the person being interviewed. Right. Uh, <laughs> but it was that, it was, it was back in the day. And that's how massive Aliyah was. And, um, you know, like, and, you know, you, you imagine like someone like that. I mean, she was like, she was the biggest star to me when it came to female R and B artists. Like she was the one. I mean, Mariah Carey was great. Uh, I love Mariah Carey. I love Mary J. Blige. Mary J. Mary J. Blige is actually from Yonkers, but like Aaliyah was the first one that I gravitated towards, mainly because she was she was a very different female. She. Mariah Carey was very glamorous, uh, extremely glamorous. Mary J. Blige, she was very classical. But you have someone like Aaliyah who was wearing baggy jeans, <laughs> oversized shirts and, you know, uh, oversized coats and having her own vibe of her own, um, wearing bandanas, wearing, you know, sunglasses. Like, she was not the typical female image that you get of a female. But one thing that I really do remember about her, like she changed my perspective and what I thought, you know, intelligent, like glamorous, like woman was because you had this like kind of notion that anybody wearing, you know, not there's a whole thing in the 90s and where women were kind of. If you weren't dressing like a woman, you were concerned. It was concerning. It was one of those things where it's like, are you something? And it's like, no, it's not that. And then you have someone like Aaliyah, who's not women, who's not wearing particularly feminine clothing, but still completely feminine and completely graceful and you know, completely like, beautiful on her own. And, like, she didn't need to, like, fall to some type of image that man creates for a woman who's pretty, who's gorgeous, like, you know, dresses and, you know. And then, like, when I was growing up, that was, like, the image, like, on TV. That was the image of, like, uh, you know, in middle school, like, you see girls walking around, like, they're all very dressed in feminine, like, pinks and blues and stuff. And it's like, yeah, Aliyah who's wearing, like, black clothing with like really baggy stuff and like just being like fully aware of what she's doing and she didn't care what people thought about her and and she was still completely you know she was still beautiful she was still graceful she was still uh very lovely as a person and like you know there's all this stigmatism that you're uh, a hoodlum or some type of like gangster if you're wearing baggy jeans and all this stuff and it's like I hated that. I I really hated that. And um, because I grew up (laughs) wearing stuff like that sometimes. And like people would judge me for it. And I was like, I'm not going around doing anything to anybody. (laughs) I'm a good guy. Yeah. Like, (laughs) um, and you know, and until this day, there's there's still, there's still like people have these images of (sighs) like this perfect image of something. And it's like, where did this come from? Like, can you show me an example of who you think this perfect person is? And nobody can. Yet that image isn't burned in their head and everything else is just too different. Um, so you had someone like Aliyah who was very different uh, as a female artist and a pop female artist per se. Like, you know, because I think about like way back in the day, the Supremes and um, Diana Ross, like huge dresses with like sparkles, glitter, sparkles yeah. and the light and like, 
hair did up, you know, and that was like a really big thing. And then I think during my age, like 80s, 90s, like this, the tide started shifting where you could be something more than you're expected to. And, you know, until this day, like today, like you have people like Billie Eilish, you know, she's Incredible artist, I, I, I think, uh, and you know she has her own style. She she wears a baggy clothes. She does all that stuff, and and like she's a huge like phenomenon right now. And um, you know she didn't need to do like the whole. I hate to say it, but sometimes uh, producers like to even even for male artists. Uh, there's this whole thing about uh, selling sex all the time. Um, and Billie Ellis, she's kind of growing into a point where she wants to be a young woman. So she's doing what she feels is sexy for her, which I understand and completely, you know, I have nothing against any of that. But there was a time where to be sexy uh, requires you to do things that, you know, it's just it's just an image that is put on and. It was one of those things where I just I look at it and I'm like, how come people just can't be who they are? Like, why do we have to sell an image of something and make this the image of something and sell it and tell people this is the image of something? You know, you have people like uh, Lil Kim, who was a great rap, great rapper, great artist. She did a lot of sex. She sold a lot of sex, some of her music. But, you know, that was her music. That's what she wanted to do, which is OK. But it, what bothers me is when people aren't that way. And they're forced to do that because some guy thinks you'll make more money doing it. It, 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 it it's very shallow to me, and, and and I never heard of a a female producer doing that to a male artist, yet alone a female producer to another artist who's a female. So I don't know. Hmm. That's my take on that. Um, but yeah, but she was the first uh, pop female icon. Who changed the dynamic of like changed changed my thought process of what uh, beautiful was for a woman, um, and it's not this ideal image that is kind of distilled in people's heads. It's someone who is confident in doing whatever, wearing something, and being confident in the clothes that they're wearing, confident in the skin that you're in, uh, and instead of just selling like the average, you know. The average look or the average body or average you don't need to do any of that stuff to be somewhat to be beautiful like you don't need to do any of that and um you know so you know that was a big thing for me and alia when she when she died when she passed away you know uh i remember it, how long ago was that oh it was Oh, I don't know. It was in the 2000s, I think. Did you ever get to see her play live? No. No, sadly. Um, well, you didn't see her live. No. How many concerts have you seen? Have you seen a lot of concerts? Concerts? <laughs> um, no, not really. Not really? Uh, my brother has. Is that just not your thing? It, it, it's loud. I don't. There's something about me and ultra loud music that doesn't feel comforting is just playing it at a normal level. <laughs> so like going to a concert, I don't know. Like it's not something I really I've I've been to a concert before. It's not like I hated it. I just 
a part of me just being in the crowd trying to see somebody over loud music that you could barely hear because the crowd's too loud anyway. Uh, it's not it's not enjoyable for me. Um, when was the last time you purchased music that had a physical form? Ooh. Uh, you know what? Uh, and there was one actually. <laughs> I, I bought a White Snake album. I don't know if that was like recently. recently? <laughs> it was the best of. Okay, <laughs> it was the best of. Uh, you know, and that was me. Uh, that was me, like trying something different. And I knew who they were. Like I, I and I wanted to listen to something different. Listen to something that you know, thought that would be a different experience. So I, I bought a White Snake. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm not judging. <laughs> okay. I'm just trying to figure out, do you still listen to music on CDs? Is that uh, part of your routine? Because uh, a lot of people we've asked on this show, and they're like, I haven't bought a CD or anything oh, for, wow. for 10 it's, years it's because it's all time. like Spotify and everything. Now. But I tell you, we do have, there was a time where I would uh, almost kind of DJing, well, not D, well, I wasn't a DJ per se, but I would, Try to find music that I really, that no one's ever heard of before, just came out. And I would burn it on this disc. And to this day, I have all those discs on me. Yeah. And so I do have physical copies of discs. They're not, they're like kind of compilations of, of music. They're like not full out. You make CDs. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, and I do have ones, I do have. A Styles P album, I have a Michael Jackson one. I have copies, but it, you know you don't really need them anymore. Like yeah. you don't really. I don't even. I haven't even seen a CD player in a long time. Like I. How do you listen to music in the car? Oh, I listen to it through. Uh, like you put a like a. Uh, it's like Bluetooth streaming. Like your phone is yeah. streaming Spotify or whatever yeah, it is yeah. you're or, using. Or just basic radio. Uh, you listen to music like on the radio, like FM radio yes. music. <laughs> FM radio You're in a very music. small I, minority of people <laughs> that are doing that. I do. I, and you know what's funny? I, I came across a song on the radio recently that I've never knew existed. And it's uh, it's a Christian song. Um. It's it's so it's so different. I have to get the I have the name here. Let me talk about these guys because uh, I remember I as soon as I heard it, I looked it up and I sent it to my brother um, because it was I never heard Christian song be so. Uh, so it was it was just the the beat was amazing the production was amazing and it wasn't your type of music where it's kind of like a it's worshiping music it was more like something that should be played in a nightclub <laughs> were you just scanning through the dial and you happened to yes, hear it yes yes i was scanning through the dial happened to have it i thought and i actually thought it was a t-pain song i was like oh when's t-pain coming in this sounds like a t-pain song and all of a sudden it's just some guys singing about church and i was like wait what (laughs) (laughs) and uh, i really did not know what i was listening to um uh, i have it here let me okay uh the song is by a band called for king and country um, and I believe the actual song is, yeah, I think the song's actually called Amen. Um, <laughs> uh, it's by For King and Country. And I heard the song on the radio. I literally thought like T-Pain or, or, or um, you know, 
like i don't know <laughs> like the weekend or somebody was gonna post up and then all of a sudden hey man i was like wait <laughs> <laughs> hold on um i realized i was on a christian radio station and that song came on and i was like i've never heard a song as production wise uh more contemporary than the you know the usual like worshiping music mm-hmm. um so yeah I, I when i immediately heard the song i had to send it to my brother <laughs> because me and me and my brother we make music together and, and i was like you got to listen to the sound i don't know who or what or how this happened but it happened uh and the song came out like 4 years ago i never heard about it and it was just on the radio and the radio is still good to the day, you, you flip in the radio, you'll find something that you don't know about. And that's one of the bigger things for me. You know, typically streaming, you're always asking for artists, you know exactly who they are. Mm-hmm. And the radio is like, it's a mixed bag. Like, people you don't know, people you don't know, you discover things, which is, which is great. Um, so that was a discovery. That's a recent discovery. <laughs> um, okay, I got a crazy question for you. Right. If you were a championship wrestler... Mm. What song would you come into the arena on? Ooh, oh, that's like that's a good one. Yeah, well, it's funny because I I usually when I when I think of wrestling, I usually want to go the route where it's more an entertaining thing, a more laughable thing than something serious. But I imagine if uh, you know, a part of me wants to say. Uh, Something along the lines of ludicrous, uh, <laughs> you know. Uh, but that's a that's a tough question. I, I, I never, know. I've it's never been it's asked like that. You have to like, it's like because it's your identity, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I I, I guess White Snake. White Snake. <laughs> 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 nice. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. That's <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, no, that's a tough question. I don't know. I have no idea. You know, uh, let's just say uh, "Bad Mama Jamma" by Foxy Brown, and leave it to that. <laughs> okay. All right. Now we get to listen to the Zena theme song. We're going on to your third song. Okay. Why do we have this, or what do you want to do? Say it again. The Xena, Warrior Zena. Princess. Oh God! Yeah. Song three. Okay. Uh, let me. We've talk had about our it TV first. show yeah. themes. We've had some TV sh- theme shows, but never the Xena song. So let me talk why, about it why first. Why are? Why does this make your list? Well, it's uh, one of the big things about Xena. Um, it's an interesting because, like you know, she was one of the first like. Like I was saying, like just the perspective of what uh, a woman could be. Um, she was like one of the biggest icons. Not even let's, let's even take the female part out of it. She is one of the biggest action TV stars in history. Period. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I remember my mother loved the show, Xena Warrior Princess. Right? Yes. And, for the uh, youngins out there. For the youngins out there. <laughs> and uh, it's interesting because when I think about a. Uh, you know, female kind of heroes. Uh, she was one of the. Um, she was like, you know, you have like, you know, typically you watch television. Like I think, you know, Hercules came on. Hercules was a pretty big show. Uh, we liked it. We loved it. But there was something about 
There was something about her and the show, and I, I know there was a big part in that show. There's a character named Joxer the Mighty, and uh, he was something, some person that I related to a lot back in the day. Uh, it's kind of like sort of this guy who wants to be a you know a huge like hero kind of thing and everything and i remember taking karate class when i was a kid and stuff like you imagine the things that you want to do and the bravery and all this stuff and it's like when you get in a situation like that do you actually be the person that you want to be <laughs> and um in that show that character joxer uh he was one of those guys who had a huge heart uh, he's a very he's a cornball, like a cornball, <laughs> like legit cornball. But he had a huge heart. He was an incredibly brave person, um, and he would go out and he wanted to do these battles, do these fights. He wanted to help people. He wanted to be this warrior guy that was inspired by Xena and a lot of other characters in his lifetime. But it was hard for him to get there, and it's not because he didn't want to be. It's because the confidence level was not it was a level where you want to be something but you're trying too hard and it, 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 you know, i don't think anybody's ever thought of a character this hard <laughs> so he uh yeah that's a pretty big show you never yeah, yeah, know yeah, yeah yeah so he yeah so he um yeah so he would do these things where he would he would put himself in the line about even though he knows he'd probably be terrible the idea that he would walk away from something if he could help somebody He'd still go for it. He'd still face the danger. He'd face the idea, and he wouldn't cower to it, even if it means that he'll get pulverized, he'll get mocked, laughed at. He'd be still standing up and telling people, it's like, I don't care what you think of me. I don't care if you think I'm weak. I don't care if you think that I'm not capable uh, I'll still stand here and try to do my duty in helping. And you can't take that away from me. You could beat me up. You could do everything. But I'll never be one of those people who would walk away from a situation if he was needed. And, um, you know, and so, like, the Xena show, Xena was, like, an incredible hero on her own. And, like, if you listen to that music, like the theme music, uh, the bigger image, I remember when I watched that show, I used to watch it with my mother all the time. And, uh, you know, maybe it was on the lines of me thinking my mother was like the biggest hero on earth. But we would watch it. And I remember I was so captivated the idea of how much she loved it. I grew to love it. And my brothers grew to love it. And she's just a character that's very likable. A character that's very that comes from a dark history, and she decided to turn herself into something. And uh, it's on. It's actually along the lines of uh, Marvel's Black uh, Widow. Uh, you know, it, it, she she had all of this red in her ledger, and she wanted to get rid of it. So she did all these things to help people, and she's still trying to get rid of all the bads that she's done in her life. You know, when I listen to that music in particular, I think of like. You know, those ideas, those type of themes and, and that time where I was just sitting there watching a show that talked about these kind of larger than life fantasy characters. And you would imagine like you get some type of retrospect out of it. You would look at them and you would be like, OK, 
you would understand where they're coming from, and then you would like the character arcs. And uh, and one of the big things about that show, this show on its own was very bold takes, and they would do these things that, in, you know, till this day, there was a big, like, message uh, about, like, Right now, you have the uh, uh, gay and lesbian community, uh, you know, actually having some type of uh, right now. They actually have an interesting position because people are actually listening to them now. And that show back in the day when anybody was like kind of treated the wrong way or treated and they would try to talk about these things, uh, people would chastise them. Like, you know, they would be super angry about it. They're, they don't even want to talk about it. Because um, it was going places that the culture wasn't comfortable. Yes, yes. Yeah. They weren't comfortable yeah. with any of it. And then Xena was the type of show, and I didn't even know this recently, uh, and I praise them for it, for taking that stance on that matter. Um, they had these two female characters, and they always had this, like, uh, sort of... Uh, lesbian undertones in the show that wasn't like disrespectful like they weren't like you know they weren't selling like gratuitous stuff like it was just they were that and they wrote that in the show and it was one of the bigger things in the show no one really noticed it uh and i didn't know they were doing any of that stuff and i you know I'm thinking about like as a filmmaker and as someone who's writing these things to have a very popular show and to talk about these things without anybody noticing, yet alone doing it in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, is crazy. And um, so I praise them for that, you know, and there's a, and there's a lot of shows that do uh, things now. I think Greg's Anatomy is talking about non binary. Uh, that that area, that situation, that matter, and like you know, people are just taking perspectives and turning stories into them, and incredible stories out of them. And uh, it's nice to see the world uh, changing in a way where it works for everyone, and not just whoever deems is worthy. Which I think is the worst kind of way to live and choose, pick and choose who what it's right like i don't think that's it doesn't make any sense to me um it's like you know i don't know it's, it's like you have your good you have your evil but to be a good person and point somebody and say that's evil it's like based on what what do you like because it's not you i mean how does that make you judgmenting somebody because you think you're the perfect being like what yeah <laughs> i don't i don't know where that and, and you know and we had a lot of that um you know and even like now like some even in politics these days like uh politics is is, is, is probably one of the, i shouldn't even really talk about it but it's <laughs> it's so bad these days so apart from each other and um you know, people are like, I'm better than you and this, that and the other. And then there's one side saying we're trying to we're trying to build uh, equality. And then another side saying, well, he's like, who are you to dictate what equality is? You know, we're fine. And it's like, well, you're not the only type of people around here. Like there's people who get treated less than you do. And then people's perspectives are like, I don't believe that. It's like, well, have you lived in their shoes? Like, are you like exactly where are you coming from with the perspective that you think that they're fine? Like, 
I've I there's times where me being who I am like the light-skinned sort of light-skinned Haitian American Jamaican American like um you know I've seen people who had darker skin color than me get treated worse than me and I it happens all the time I feel guilty about it I feel guilty about it being light-skinned sometimes and seeing stuff like that and uh I hate it. I, I hate it, and I do speak up about it once when I can and when I can do something about it. I, I don't understand why that's a thing, but it is. Like for me as a filmmaker and a musician making music and stuff, like uh, especially here in Florida, sometimes I feel that because I've seen some black filmmakers in the area. I've I've worked with some black filmmakers in the area. I've I've met some and they kind of just stopped and the reason why is because it's harder for them to produce and I've tried to help you know and it's like their dreams and ambitions just as big as mine's um and it's harder it's harder it was hard for me and I you know and I don't know if it had anything to do with it sometimes I feel like it does sometimes I feel like it don't and I never could tell really because I'm not in their shoes but I could see when it's happening, and when I see when it's happening, uh, it's it's very disgusting. It, it's just, it's it's awful. And uh, um, wow, the Zena. How did that happen? Well, um, let's get to Zena. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's play the music. Wow. You want to hear this yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. And you uh, can we imagine you sitting on the couch with your mom? Yes. Yes. Um, um, when did this movie or TV show come out? This is like the early nineties. Early nineties. Early nineties. Uh, something like that. Yeah, and um, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it played during like it was like prime time. Like it played in the weekends, and it made prime time when it was a huge success. And I think the biggest thing about it is the opening sound and the music and the style of the music. And it was just so abstract. And it wasn't like the typical American hero music. It was very a foreign type of influence in the music. And yeah, I remember first hearing it and it was incredible. But let's, let's roll it. Let's, let's roll it. It's, yeah. uh, this is uh, the TV show Xena, the Warrior Princess theme song. When was the last time you listened to that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. It's it's been a it's been a while. Have it's you funny. rewatched the show? I've had there's some cases where it would come on and I'd find myself watching it. Um, you know, when you listen to it now, it, there's a lot of film scores that are not as composed as as that piece of music, and uh, it was a TV show. That's a very operatic opening for any type of show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, along like any type of thing. Well, especially here. for that time in the world. Yeah, that, now yeah, the like, TV's come so far, things right. you know are, are cinematic and yeah, things more now. cinematic. But more. back then, I mean, I think it was even on Fox, wasn't it? Or uh, I, I believe it was on Fox ABC. One of those. I didn't watch it. I was I was away from TV during. No, it's that cool. Time it's funny life. because the first heroes that we've watched as a kid was Power Rangers. Like we were big on Power Rangers. I was big on the Green Ranger and Red Ranger and Black. Ranger and and then there was a time where that show started getting old and then Xena was kind of getting in the mix and like you know the whole Power Rangers fantasy thing kind of disappeared and the reality hits it's like you have the Xena show that talked about gods and history and had some education to it so you're watching it and it's like oh wow this is this is a different uh mood and uh 
listening to it now, it's amazing that even to this day, I guess even when I was a kid, I probably appreciated music that detailed uh, because I can't. There's not many film scores, not even film scores, like TV show themes that hit me. But that one sticks with me for a very long time. And I, I can't think of another TV show where I, the music plays in my head automatically when I think of it. Hmm. Uh, you know, but yeah, like to this day, man, uh, when I listen to that, I think highly of it. And that was a that was a TV show, and it was a very popular TV show, and it was about female heroes, which there wasn't too much of that in that time, in the nineties. Not that I could recall. Um, no, I think it was ahead of its time. Yeah, you know, I think yeah. in some ways that it was striving for some of the progress that's been made now before even anybody knew that it was happening. Right, right, right. You right, know, right. in terms of like you know accepting people for who they are. You yeah, know, yeah, we yeah. do have a long way to go, but we've come quite quite a ways, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to speed round you. Okay, we're, we're heading in for a landing. Mm. Karaoke? Yes? No? Seems like you don't do karaoke. I'm going to go out on a limb and say you don't do karaoke. Um, when it, when the time's right. When the time's I'll, right. I'll go up there and sing some Journey. Some Journey. Some Cisco. Okay. <laughs> like, um, do you have a nickname that stuck over the course of your life? P. Mitch. P. Mitch. Okay. P. Mitch. Uh, first name I did for music, and it stuck with me for a while. If you were a cocktail or drink, what would it be? Ooh. Uh, I'm usually more of a... You know, Not what I, you I, want to drink, what you what? are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is like no, the championship yeah, yeah, no, right. question. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I guess my best answer would be uh, the vodka and Sprite. Vodka um, and Sprite. Yes. What, what's it called? Oh, I don't the know. P-Mitch? <laughs> the P-Mitch. The <laughs> P-Mitch. Um, if you had to guess, what would you say is the song that you've listened to the most times in your life? Songs I listen to the most times in my life. Like if you had some like account like Spotify has like oh a, yeah um, you know which is the one that you have one way or another heard the most times wow uh, you know the, the the one song that I always turn on when I get a chance to um, uh, it's an Aliyah song uh, try again Aliyah try again at first you don't succeed dust yourself off and try again it's like a not only the music was great, but I think it, it really explains a lot of the stuff that I'm doing and, like, the fact that I'm still doing it now. Uh, so when I listen to that song, like, the words in the song, and it, it's it's sort of motivating. So sometimes I put it on. I find myself listening to it often. Are there any songs you will avoid listening to? Ooh. Oh, no. Um, yeah. Um all right, this is pretty impactful. Uh, so as someone who creates music and once in a while listens to, like, older music, I find myself sometimes listening to, like, 1920s, 1930s music and, um, like, 19 roaring 20s, 30s kind of jazz sort of stuff. Uh, once in a while I come across a song that is blatantly racist, and there was a huge market for that at the time. Um, there's a specific artist, and I can't remember his name, but he would make uh, sort of these hatred for Negroes sort of music. And he was famous for it. It made 
huge amounts of money doing it. And there was a huge amount uh, uh, of music that was produced in that time. And once in a while, while I'm listening to it, it would pop up. Uh, and I, I like, for dear God, why is this still in any type of library in existence? Uh, but it is. Um, and when I hear those songs, I immediately click out of it. And then sometimes I kind of just don't want to listen to anything anymore. Hmm. Um, but that happens to me sometimes. And when I'm listening to older, like sort of, you know, pre-color TV right. music. So, um, What would your 14-year-old self think of who you are today? Ooh. Uh, this is where we get psychological. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 14-year-old me. Uh, you know, a 14 year old me was more judgmental about, um, things that I shouldn't be judging. Uh, so 14 year old me will probably look at me wondering, um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I would say. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just a lot of, what do we say? It wouldn't even be a statement. It'd be a lot of questions. <laughs> How did this happen? Where, what happened? <laughs> Where did you go? Like, um, for it to be a statement, I, I think it would just be a lot of questions. Uh, and even like when I was fourteen, I used to I used to ask questions all the time to older people. Like, how's this? How's that? When you get that age, like, I'm sure I'd probably do the same thing for me. So it wouldn't be like a – it would be more a question. I can't even think of like an actual question. But it would be definitely be a lot more questions than an actual statement. <laughs> so. um, okay. It is time for you to recommend your three people. Ooh. You know, I love making this list. Um, my first person I choose is my brother, Freddie Ford. Okay. Uh, he is the uh, oldest out of all three of us. And um, – you know, he's been making music for a very long time, on and off. And he's just now getting into a rhythm where he is confident in his music. And I'm starting to work with him. And in, in, in most cases back in the day, he was a very solo act. Like he, not that he didn't want the help. It's just he never asked for it and didn't really care to have it. Now it's... uh. It's very appreciative of it and likes the idea of collaborating and likes the idea of being sort of molded into something uh, through someone else's eyes. And in most cases, he does his own music, but he does he's not afraid to take criticism. So, yes, he is one of the first people, uh, you know, I think. He definitely deserves some shine in his music and his abilities and creating what he does. And, um, yeah, he's my first person I recommend. Okay. Number two? Number two. Uh, you know, <laughs> that would be my other older brother, Franz. Is he local too? He is local. Okay. Um, and it's funny because he's not – He's not in the arts or, or – I mean, he, he knows how to look at art and interpret art and, uh, and loves art and agrees with it. But he doesn't create it per se. Uh, he's a mechanic. He's the car guy? Yes. <laughs> he's a mechanic. And, uh, you know, a lot of, lately I look at him and he's, he's such a great father to my, to my uh, niece and nephew. And um, – you know, a lot of times I feel like fatherhood and especially great parenting doesn't get any type of acknowledgement in, in sort of this type of way. And uh, so 
I was trying to think of anybody uh, apart from him, so I don't sound so sentimental about it, but I couldn't think of one. And so my second person would be Franz. Yeah, so. All right. And number three. Uh, Andrew Scott Faust. Who's that? Uh, he's a scorist that uh, I work with a lot. And uh, he does many movies in this area. Uh, he's been packed in his scheduling. I'm actually very thankful to get him in my last film. But he has been doing all the local acts here, all the local films, most of them, that came out here. And he's the best of, in my eyes, uh, doing it in this area with sort of the group of filmmakers that I know. So... Yeah, I think he'd be a perfect candidate to ask these musical questions because his extensive and knowledge in music is far beyond something that I know. <laughs> uh, and I feel like I would love to listen to this podcast with him talking about his three songs. That would be a very huge delight. Um, so. Okay, you've done it. I just want to remind, what was the name of the movie that you we played the trailer for? Right. It's uh, apples, oranges, apples, lemons, lemons, and limes. limes. And, and it will be in the 2022 Fort Myers Film Festival? Yet to be determined. Yet to it's be submitted. Oh, it's going to get it. <laughs> I, I, I don't, you know, I, 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 I imagine it will be, but, you know. You don't want to get ahead I of yourself. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Exactly. The, the circuit hasn't been uh, completed yes. yet. But uh, it, it is, um, it's on IMDb if anybody wants more information. And my name is Pat uh, Patrick Mitchell. On Facebook, and uh, you know, they'll tag my Instagram. Feel free to send me a message or add me. You know, I'm very open to receiving and listening to new people and making new friends and stuff. So, um, but yeah, so that's a movie that's coming out, and uh, I'm excited to show it to everybody. I look forward to seeing it. Thank you. I look forward to pressing play on it. Uh, Any final thoughts? Final thoughts. Uh, Yeah. um, You know, when I came here, I didn't... I actually didn't expect to be rambling as much as I, and it's nice. We it's, have that. We have that, uh, that, that, that power over people. Yeah. Um, so we facilitate. Well, it's actually very, very enlightening. You know, because I never really. It's the people who know me, I don't talk as open. Um, sometimes I don't talk. Period. <laughs> so this. Uh, it will be interesting to a lot of people, and I hope people love it, and I hope people like my comments, and hopefully they agree with me in certain things. Not that I expect everybody to, but I did want to share my thoughts. So, you know, thank you for this. Thank uh, you for doing it. I really it. enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah. We make three-song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chenqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Calligan is online content producer and host. Chris Duffus is our executive producer. And our theme song was made by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's parting tune, I'm up in the tech booth at the Sydney and Byrne Davis Art Center in downtown Fort Myers on any of dozens of Monday nights over the past decade. 
The Fort Myers Film Festival is more than just a multi-day festival like you would imagine, but also a multi-month event we call TGIM, or Thank Goodness for Independent Film Mondays, which happens on the first Monday of every month for about six months or so leading up to the festival proper. The 12th annual festival is underway right now and runs through Sunday the 22nd, and Pat's new film Apples, Oranges, Lemons, and Limes is being screened tomorrow night on Saturday the 21st at 6 p.m. During TGIM, we screen short films that have been submitted to the festival with a live audience. It kicks off with a lively cocktail hour, and there's a panel of judges and audience interaction after each film. It's good times with good people, and always gets underway with me turning down the lights and playing this song. It's the TGIM theme performed by Elijah Green. I intellectualize. Thank God that it's Monday. Thank God that it's Monday. Thank God that it's Monday, yeah. Thank God that it's Monday. Next time on Three Song Stories. But it takes a long time to grow hair that long. (laughs) 